Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Hey, this is TV personality Eric Bowling and NFL Hall of Famer Brett Favre. We're coming together for a new weekly podcast. Everyone, you got to subscribe. Bowling with Favre from politics, sports, finance, culture, nothing off the tables, maybe even a Kardashian comment. <laughs> One of the disappointing things of the whole Trump administration was when he left office and pardoned 143 people, the Tiger King didn't get a pardon. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> I watched one episode, by the way. He was a good guy. He just, was he, though? I don't know. I liked him a lot more than Carol Baskin. <laughs> Get new shows every week from Podcast One and LiveByLive.com. Old friends, great stories, intriguing conversation on bowling with far. We may talk a little hunting. That's your neck of the woods, Brad. And, bi- and biking. And biking and hiking. Subscribe now on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, LiveByLive.com, and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. You ever wonder why some people get really sick and others only have mild illnesses? Well, part of the answer may be related to your gut health. A study published this year suggests that people with leaky gut or other gut symptoms may be at higher risk of certain illnesses. In fact, some of the immunity is clearly related to the bacterial flora of your gut. Why does this matter? Well, even if you do everything right, you will still be exposed to viruses and bacteria. It's not, you can't avoid that. And the severity of your illness could be affected by your gut health. Healthy diet, proper exercise, of course, sleep, vitamin C, zinc, other minerals may help. But there's also something you can add to your morning routine that will completely transform your immunity and protect you. And it tastes amazing. This is called Leaky Gut Guardian. Now, you might be thinking, do I even have a leaky gut? But studies show that nearly everyone has some mild form of this. And even if you don't, this product does more than just help with this one condition. Leaky Gut Guardian is the only formula that can repair compromised gut lining, help rebuild it with the right probiotics and prebiotics, and activate the four critical pathways for improved immunity. It eliminates bad bacteria, feeds the good bacteria, and gives you the immunity you need to hopefully fight off viruses. Comes in two flavors, chocolate carnivore and vegetarian vanilla. Simply start your morning by adding one scoop of it to your favorite beverage, coffee, smoother, even just a simple glass of water. It mixes well, it is seriously delicious, and you'll be helping repair your gut and improve your immunity with powerful prebiotics and probiotics. Power up your immunities today and try Leaky Gut Guardian risk-free by visiting buyoptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S, buyoptimizers.com slash Drew, and then use Dr. Drew to receive 10% off any order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee. That is buyoptimizers.com slash Drew. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Don't forget to support those that support the Corolla Pirate Ship. Uh, we do select those that support us very carefully. And don't forget, go to drdrew.com or drdrew.tv. You're also local slash Dr. Drew. We have a vibrant community over there. We do a lot of Zoom calls with those guys on a regular basis. Also, um, after dark, of course. So uh, do please uh, check things out at drdrew.com, drdrew.tv, Facebook slash Dr. Drew, and of course the after Dark and the daily streaming show we are doing. Also, Instagram, if you don't mind, Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Drew Pinsky 
I've been putting a lot of information up about this lovely experience of the patient perspective on coronavirus, and uh, I'm apologizing already for whatever glitches in my cognition uh, developed today, which I'm having lots of crazy stuff still happening. I'll tell you a little about that. But first, I want to get right to my guest. It is Eric Smith. Uh, Eric, you can follow him uh, with the Treatment Advocacy Center, treatmentadvocacycenter.org. Uh, Eric is a consultant there. He's located in Washington, D.C. And uh, Bedlam, uh, the book is a Peabody Award-winning Dr. Kenneth Paul Rosenberg and his team. Check that out. And do check out HealingMindsNOLA.org, HealingMindsNOLA. Eric and I have been working with them for a little while, Eric longer than I, but I'm super impressed with the videos that they put up there. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Drew. And first, may I say, I am so glad to see you on the mend from the coronavirus. It's, it's, I'm getting there. It's slow, but sure, but ugh, slow is the word. It's like, it's like a head injury. It's like having had a really bad concussion or traumatic brain injury or something. But uh, Eric, tell them your story. I'll sit back and you tell them the, the, the whole tale, okay? All right. Here we go. So I, I'll try to give the abridged version of it uh, nah, in the interest. Give them the, nope. nah, the whole deal. Because I, 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 I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's very illustrative, it's very instructive, and it's very fascinating. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Dr. Drew. So uh, as Dr. Drew said, my name is Eric Smith. Uh, I'm 38 at years of age right now. Uh, I'm a mental health advocate and public speaker and also a graduate of something called assisted outpatient treatment, also known as AOT. I'll get into what that is here in a little bit. Uh, basically, what I do, I advocate through testifying in support of legislation that I believe in, like the creation and strengthening of AOT, also by writing and by public speaking at conferences around the country. That's that's pre-pandemic, of course. Right now, as you know, uh, the entire world, for the most part, is uh, stuck on Zoom or something like it. Um, I, uh, I communicate about my tragedies and triumphs being diagnosed with uh, forms of SMI for uh, for folks I'll out tell, there not yeah. necessarily. They may yeah, not understand that not, acronym. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I'm on it. It's uh, So SMI, it's also known as serious mental illness or severe mental illness, but it, it uh, entails my diagnoses, which uh, over the years have changed, and I, that will be part of the story as well. And I was uh, originally diagnosed uh, for, with bipolar disorder, uh, very early on in my life, very early on. I, 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 you know, I, I'm talking about uh, mid-teens. So uh, at, at, at that point, um, my parents, of course, they they took me to uh, a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, figure out, you know, what's going on with our son? You know, me, what's going on with our what, son? What was happening? Uh, I, yeah, the excellent question. And, and it's um, it's those red flags that parents are told by uh, school, you know, counselors and teachers to look for. And that is, my grades started slipping very quickly. I was being sent to the principal's office for disrupting class. Uh, just what were you just, doing? What were you doing to the class? Yeah, you you know, the first time I got sent to the principal's office, uh, I can honestly tell you, like, yeah, I, I'll I'll let your uh, obviously audience decide if this was appropriate. But uh, this is how I first ended up there. So I was in a math class in middle school, and uh, you know, I I was having trouble focusing, and so I at the time was really interested in songs and song lyrics. And Green Day was huge at the time. So uh, a friend of mine and I, we were writing down the lyrics to Basket Case to see, sort of like compare, like, are we hearing the same things? Because, of course, at that time, I'm a dinosaur right now. And so the Internet wasn't really a thing where you could look up song lyrics. So I'm sitting there and I'm writing out the lyrics to, uh, you know, Green Day's Basket Case. Uh, teacher sees that I'm not paying attention, comes up, looks what I'm writing, reads it, 
sees the word whore in it because that's <laughs> part of the lyrics, uh, sends me right sends me right to the principal's <sighs> office. And and, and you, you might look at that as like, ah, oh, it's a one-off. A kid's just writing song lyrics. But I can tell you, like, from that point forward, uh, it was uh, a lot of, you know, in elementary school, I was making A's. In middle school, I was struggling to make C's in a lot of things. I just, uh, you know, focusing became an issue behaviorally. I, I wasn't really respecting the authority of teachers. Uh, just uh, not violent outbursts, but just, uh, you know, things in class where it, the teaching couldn't really happen and I wasn't really paying attention anyways. And that was enough to have my parents called in to find out uh, what's happening. And, you know, ultimately, my parents, loving parents that they are, took me to see a professional. And that professional at the time suggested that it's possible I may be uh, bipolar. And uh, thought, you know, at the time, my, my parents weren't necessarily keen on the idea of uh, me being medicated, nor was I. And so, uh, you know, a little bit more time went by. And uh, then it started to get beyond uh, problems in school where, uh, you know, sort of to deal with the chaos in my mind. This, this is that parts of this are talked about in Dr. Rosenberg's book, uh, Bedlam, uh, where, uh, you know, I was, as, as the term is used, self-medicating. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it started with uh, marijuana and, and I felt like, hey, maybe this will help calm this chaos in my mind, which, you know, is characterized by, at the time, lots of high highs, lots of low lows. Uh, inability really to to concentrate to function as I had in elementary school, and um, yeah, so I, I very quickly I, I realized, hey, um, I, now in hindsight I'm talking now. At, at the time I certainly didn't think marijuana, uh, you know, was a was a problem it, for me as someone diagnosed with mental illness. I thought, hey, this is helping me calm the chaos in my mind, and it felt like that at the time. I can tell you that in hindsight, uh, that isn't what happened for me. I, I do know plenty of folks. Uh, who, uh, I, I mean, I don't want it to devolve into a conversation about a uh, marijuana policy, but I know oh, folks no. not diagnosed with SMI like me, uh, who are unlike me without an SMI diagnosis, and they use it responsibly, uh, as responsibly as it can be used, and they're not having their lives, you know, uh, sort of fall apart for me right. as someone diagnosed with SMI, and I'm sure you've seen some of the literature on it. There, it's possible, and literature is suggesting folks with SMI who are using uh, you know, marijuana, uh, it, it, it isn't, it isn't the same for me. I will speak personally. I don't want to necessarily get into the literature and all of that. I stick, stick to my story. So for me, within a matter of, uh, you know, just a very short few months, I was using uh, very strong marijuana and then went on to start using uh, ecstasy and LSD and cocaine very quickly right after that. And I realized or felt at the time, as long as I'm on these drugs, I, my mind, the chaos in my mind is taken care of, like, mm, but really it wasn't that it, it, it was far from that. It was just an illusion. It was an illusion for me. Like, yes, I felt like the chaos wasn't there, but that, that's only because, you know, those drugs are just so powerful at modifying how reality is perceived that I was confident things were getting better as a result of the drugs versus them actually being better. In fact, things were getting quite worse. So I'll move on. So uh, you know, things started getting really bad. Uh, my parents took me to another psychiatrist. And keep in mind, at this time, uh, medication, prescribed meds, had not really entered into the equation yet. And, and when you say really uh, bad, you mean, you mean you were sort of devolving into drug use or were you having a lot of symptomatology above and beyond that? So both. As, as, as my drug use increased, my symptomology also increased. Like what, uh, what was happening? So 
my uh what started as like if we're looking at like a snowball rolling down a mountain right? yeah so what started at the beginning of this story of uh you know i'm in middle school uh you know not really being able to pay attention in class did anybody at any point go hey this kid's got add let's give him a stimulant Eventually, we got there. Eventually, we did get there. That's actually part of the story of the 15 years of failed medication trial and error. <laughs> so, yes, to answer your question. And uh, we, so, so just, just to get a firm plant on things, to a firm understanding of things, that this psychiatrist said, uh, let, let's have, uh, again, talking with my parents and me in a room, let's have them take a test. It, it looked to me like it, I, I would describe it as something that looked like just a standard variety, garden variety uh, multiple choice test, but it was very long. Yeah. And and at the end of it, you've probably even seen these before. At the end of it, uh, you know, people are able to say with some degree of statistical significance and certainty that uh, I would either have answered things consistent with how people who are diagnosed with X, Y, and Z would or not. And so that's so it's, sort it's of what it's a neuro, neuropsych testing. We call that. So yeah, I, I'll uh, I, I'm less up on those terms than you are. So I'm okay. glad you can put a word to it. All right. Uh, yeah, so it, it came back and it was like, yeah, this initial diagnosis from a few years back of Eric probably being bipolar is actually consistent with the results. It looks like he is bipolar. And so I did get started on meds. And, and this is how old uh, So I, I got started on meds. We're, 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 in, we're still in my mid to late teens here at this okay. point. Where and I'm, you're still where doing drugs from. the whole time. Still, Yeah, still doing drugs because uh, the way I saw it, I had done so many <laughs> drugs by that point right like uh there's no mistaking about like what lsd does if you're taking it there's no mistaking what pot does if you're using it like it's a very apparent feeling but when i the first thing i was ever prescribed i believe was uh zoloft yeah. and so i i took it but like you know a week two weeks in i'm like i don't feel any different like these aren't doing anything right. this is the equivalent of taking a tylenol if you've got a really bad headache and maybe it's helping maybe it's not who knows yeah. So I didn't really have a lot of faith in um, uh, medicine. I didn't have a ton of faith in psychiatry. Uh, that 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 could be chalked up not to me knowing anything about psychiatry, but so much more along the lines of me not having a whole lot of respect for authority as uh, just part of how my behavioral issues were unfolding related to my SMI. Even did you though, have any? Did you have any trauma growing up? Uh, no. Uh, okay. So the only when people say trauma, that's a pretty big blanket word. Yeah, and I will say is. when I was. It's a, so not emotional trauma, but I think it's worthy to the conversation to know that when I was about four years old and I was getting out of a shower, this I was living in Dallas at the yeah, time, yeah. and I was getting out of the shower, I slipped on the very slippery floor, and at the time, like counters which are really not sharp corners as much as they were anymore for probably this very reason, I slipped and I just it, like the corner went right into the right into the my skull right above one of my eyebrows. Oof. And and uh like I mean it was bad. Uh like I was rushed to the ER. It was like 20 plus stitches. Uh were you unconscious? So I, um you know what I, I I have I feel like I have memories of like hitting my head. I have memories of the ride to the hospital. I have memories of being laid on a, like an ER bed with a lot of professionals over me. Mm -hmm. And then I assume at that point is when I was uh, no longer conscious. They either, they probably uh, sedated, sedated me. You, maybe, yeah. 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 But really that, that, interesting. that's the extent. Yeah. Very so that's the extent to where it feels. But I, I bring it up because there's all kinds of interest in uh, histories of folks leading up to uh, SMI, which are also known as brain well, disorders. So well, right. And it's, you know, neuropsych is one thing. And uh, it's, it's, you know, there's, emotional, you know, regular, you know, emotional regulation issues, but there's, there are neurological issues and you were, you were hitting those from multiple perspectives in terms of what you were doing with those drugs and the head injury and the head trauma. Yes. Yes. So I, 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 uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of not 
uh, trying to, you know, place blame on other things. I, you know, I'm at a point now where I, I take ownership in my treatment and care for my diagnoses. And, uh, you know, when I reflect back, did the head, head injury, uh, you know, did, did that somehow uh, contribute to it? Maybe, I don't know. I try to not get lost in it, but I know for the sake of folks like you who are interested in, you know, facts and things that may be related, like yeah. that's just of relevance maybe for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, moving, uh, moving forward, uh, you know, I could sort of just breeze through the, the kind of the rest of this timeline up to a, uh, up to the relevant parts of AOT. So, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I dropped out of school, uh, seven, uh, 17 at the time, uh, in high school, dropped out of school. Uh, I was causing, causing problems there too. Meaning what, uh, what were you doing? So fighting. Yeah, no, 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 no. It was actually, uh, n- never fighting. Um, it, it was, uh, lots of risky behavior now where I look back and when I, when I tell these stories, it almost sounds like I'm somehow glorifying or romanticizing them. And that is not at all my intent, but it's just yeah. sort of to let people know what was going on. So, um, when I was 17, uh, you know, Columbine had not happened, uh, too much, too many years prior before that. It was actually fairly recent in people's minds. Uh, I, this is not about me bringing weapons to school, but you're about to find out why that's relevant to the story. So, uh, you know, it was a standardized testing day at school. Uh, I, I rode the bus to school. I was there with, arrived with one of my friends at the school bus. As soon as we got there, uh, as soon as the bus drops us off, we actually, uh, leave campus and walk through the woods, uh, that the school was adjacent to so that we could just kind of go smoke pot in a field. Because of course, at the time I didn't see a problem with me bringing pot to school with cutting school with not being where I was supposed to be or any of that. So, uh, we walk and we're waiting for this, uh, Taco Bell to open up, which is by the before you tell the Taco Bell story. Talk a little bit about the lack of insight, because this is a piece that people don't get. They they want to believe that people are, hey, man, that's just his best life. His best life was smoking out in the field. It's what he wanted to do. Who are you to say? But you literally couldn't see what was happening to your life as a result of your mental illness. Can you talk about that a little bit before we talk about Taco Bell? Yeah, definitely, and 100%. So. What you're describing, I would also attribute the word. It's somehow sometimes pronounced anosognosia. Some people say anosognosia, uh, but nonetheless, th- this wasn't just about me as an individual uh, saying I- I'm I'm going to engage in some risky behavior, and I and I know what's going on. I was quite literally and and, and definitively, uh, you know, ment- uh, mentally ill uh, and diagnosed at this point, and you know, confirmed as having bipolar disorder, and. I did not have the capacity to appreciate it. This is not a cognitive issue of uh, can it, do I or don't I have it. This is an issue that is absolutely terrifying to experience where I feel like I'm healthy. I feel like, you know, that I don't know what it feels like to be anybody else. I'm healthy. So. It's all these assholes. They don't, they don't understand me, man. They don't know what makes me happy. And, it, and, and it, you can call it, that. there's a lot of different words for it out there. Denial is one of the words for it or uh Shoot, there's a bunch of words we should we probably should think of them so people understand what we're talking about. But the neurological process is anosognosia, which is a neurological block caused by mental illness that impairs the ability to have insight to see what's happening. Yes, which is completely different than denial. Denial is like I don't believe this is a thing. Anosognosia goes beyond the fact of saying I don't believe this is a thing, but also not being able to take into account very apparent uh, evidence to the contrary. Yeah, where, I just don't you know, even I'm, see it. I didn't want to get into a discussion about this isn't happening because why would I? 
Right. It's, it's <laughs> nothing not nothing here. Like, yeah, not real. Yeah. So these high highs I'm living <laughs> and these low lows that I'm living, uh, the fact that like my mind's are, my mind's racing, the fact that you know uh, I'm appearing as a, 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 on standardized tests as someone a- answering questions consistent with other folks with this SMI diagnosis of bipolar disorder, I'm like I'm like look, the rest of the world is crazy. They just don't understand me. And that sounds like rebellion on the surface, but it's actually a, quite a serious issue uh, that's that, that's very frequently tied to folks diagnosed with some form of yes, SMI. Yes, rebelliousness but, is another word I was trying to think of. So we yeah. could probably think of them as a bunch of words. Again, denial, rebelliousness, it goes down as a lot of different things. But the people you see on the streets that want to be on the streets, they're there because they have no idea what's happening to them. They, even they, if they're they, told that, right? Correct. So they... They see it just the way Eric saw he was living his best life, dropping acid. and It's almost like, you know what it's like? There, there's a woman that does a whole uh, series of uh, academic researches on the nature of transitions. And she says it, she sort of puts it this way. She goes, hey, if a vampire comes to you and says, I can bite you, and you're going to live forever, but you're going to lose your soul. And I can't really explain to you what that's like, but it's it's not so bad. I, I'm there now, and uh, I kind of like it. Well, I'm like you can't really talk about it that way. But anyway, let me bite you. And the person goes, I don't, want, I don't want to lose my soul. I don't want to be. And then they get bitten, and then they're a vampire. And as a vampire, they can't understand what the person was thinking before because now I'm living my best vampire life, and it's okay. I'm the vampire. It's it's like perspectivalism is something that people don't understand. That once you're one thing, you can't understand the position of being the other thing experientially. So when when you're a person with serious mental illness, you can't have the perspective of yourself as a person whose mental illness is under control until you get there. Does that make sense to you, Eric? It does make sense. And uh, it, it's so well said. And I, for, for some of the speaking engagements I do, I, I try to think, how's a way that I could explain Vampire. this? Vampire. And and, and and that covers it. The the way that I try to explain it to, to folks is I'm like, look, picture a healthy individual, uh, healthy young individual, no, no form of diagnosis of SMI, nothing like that, driving a motorcycle down a highway 90 miles an hour. This person knows on some level, either subconsciously or consciously, there are risks. I could get stop and given a ticket. I could get in a terrible wreck. Uh, my license could get taken away. I may make it home without any of those things happening. On some degree, they're aware of this. When I'm describing the type of thing that you are talking about now and anesthesia and trying to help folks who can't possibly understand how someone like me with SMI could, could discount all of the reality and all of the evidence suggesting that I'm ill, I say, now picture an individual driving down a highway 90 miles an hour, but instead of thinking about uh, or being able to process, yeah, I, I might get in an accident, I might get a ticket, I may make it home without a problem, any of those things, this person is thinking, I'm being chased. And if I don't make it home on an even-numbered minute on my watch, <laughs> there's going to be... Something you know, terrible is going to happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like yeah. That, that, It's just they're living in a completely different world. This is not a risk-benefit vampire. analysis. They're a vampire. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, or or Mr. So, Hyde. That's a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde is another way to think about it. There we go. Yeah. There we go. All so, right, so you're now at the Taco Bell. Yes, now at the Taco Bell. Uh, it's 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 uh, not quite open yet because it's early in the morning. Bus dropped us off to school. Uh, so we passed the time by just sitting in a field, uh, uh, smoking some pot, 
and uh, it, it opens. And so fast forward back to us now walking. Remember I said we had to walk through the woods to get there, right? Yeah. So we have to walk through the woods to get back just as we're about to get back to the campus. There is a police officer and uh, we don't we hear him before we see him. So we're about to cut through a fence to get back to the school where the buses drop kids off there. And we hear get on your knees like it's quite serious. And so, like, uh, I, you know, I'm on my I, I'm on my knees. I'm thankfully following this officer's orders because, you know, things things happen when orders aren't followed. That's, yes. that's, they, they can. I'm not yeah. just saying they do 100 percent of the time, but they can. Yeah. And if you're not following orders, there's a higher likelihood something may happen. So I'll put it like that. And so this officer, like he, he's like he's like he sees we have backpacks. And quite, quite quickly, he, he like, he, he's like, what, you know, he's like, what are you doing here? He's like trying to assess the situation. And uh, I'm like, I, we're just trying to get back to school. Like, you know, and he's like, and he brings up, he goes, don't you kids realize that like Columbine just happened not too long ago. You can't just be two kids wandering on uh, d- during school hours through the woods of a school and, and expect that that's not going to be taken seriously, which is of course something that I did not consider at that time right. or could not consider with where my head was at. So uh, things like stories like that are kind of and then my parents getting calls uh, where, you know, at that point, you know, police and principals are involved and are trying seeing like how much of a problem I am at school. So that's why I brought that up Mm. to where it ultimately ultimately leads to me dropping out of school, uh, continuing uh, lots of different failed psychiatric medication regimens over the years, uh, 15, about 15 to be exact. And then just in the in the interest of time, because I think uh, the listeners right now will probably have a good idea of things up to that point. So right up to uh, the time where I was first hospitalized, this is the late 2000s, like right around uh, late 2009, right? So um, I I was super, super delusional and paranoid at this point. I thought I was working on behalf of the FBI and the CIA and the government, and I mean, my 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 hallucinations and delusions and paranoia was full blown. But keep in mind, I voluntarily went to rehab in 2006 and stopped using street drugs. I I I hadn't I hadn't used them for years at this point. So when when you uh, got so delusional, yeah, w- when I got so delusional, this was uh this was actually uh, post rehab, post rehab. I was think, no longer using drugs. Oh, so you okay? So let's get that straight. So you identified as a drug addict. Did you participate yes. in recovery or just stop using? No, I voluntarily entered myself into rehab. There was I, I didn't get you know stopped by police. There was no, no, no but but uh, did you subsequent to the treatment? Did you stay in the process of recovery, or you just you just weren't using it anymore? Uh, are you talking about like going to AA meetings? Yeah, do you go to like meetings? That? Did you have cognitive I, behavioral I did. therapy? Did you follow up? You you, you were part yes. of the program, right? Yes. So okay. I, I did go to I did go to AA. Uh, although uh, to be clear, my problem was oh, it was not really ever alcohol. So I would go to like mixed meetings. Yeah, yeah. AA, uh, AA. But, but you stayed with. It. I, I just want to know you were participating in your treatment, which is already interesting. Yes. And then, but you got more manic at that point. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, you know, I, I had stopped using drugs and just. Uh, I mean, even though psych meds, prescribed psych meds were all that I was taking at that time and, and I had stopped using drugs, like nothing could manage it. Like you, you, if I'm looking back trying to explain how the trial and error of those psych meds were, we're talking about perhaps every, every maybe week or two, the psychiatrist would be like, okay, let's try adding this. Let's move this. Let's raise the dose of this. Did they try, did they try mood stabilizing medication? Was it all antidepressants? I, so I was actually prescribed a gam- just a, a laundry list of antipsychotics, benzodiazepines, antidepressants, yeah. SSRIs. It was, it was. I mean, it, it, they they threw they threw, but not, they mood, threw it but all not mood stabilizers ever. Just all. So, 
you know, so early on it was mood stabilizers uh, early, or very early on so uh, the they, reason i was i'm sort of going down that path is i'm wondering if they induce the mania with all the ssri stuff all the antidepressants no see it's possible because you know I, I again i'm not a doctor but i remember being told by my psychiatrist at the time some of these meds can cause agitation right. and irritability and i'm like isn't that what we're trying to fix right but well they were but, trying all the antipsychotics at the same time which is yeah. pretty crazy but as a leader in the CBD industry, Hemp Fusion is committed to providing high-quality, THC-free CBD oil products. Whether your New Year's resolution is gunning for a raise or an Olympic gold medal, you need to stay at the top of your game. And CBD can help you. I'm, I'm, I think I'm a, I've had a, a elderly patients have really significant improvement in their joint complaints. Some of my patients use it for sleep. And there are many world-class professional athletes turning to Hemp Fusion, so you can be sure you're getting a safe, clean product from Hemp Fusion. Tinctures, topicals, capsules, they've got something for everyone. And to make it even easier to accomplish your New Year's resolution, Hemp Fusion is offering our listeners 20% off your purchase when you use the promo code DREW at checkout. Once again, that is HempFusion, H-E-M-P-F-U-S-I-O-N, HempFusion.com, promo code DREW for 20% off your premium CBD oil products. Once again, that is HempFusion, H-E-M-P-F-U-S-I-O-N.com, promo code DREW, D-R-E-W, for 20% off your order of premium CBD oil products from HempFusion. Order now. So, the, so there we go. So you get really manic now, and everyone misses that, I guess, right? No one notices? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you're fully so, a vampire at this point, but you're are you now embracing psychiatry a little bit? Yes. So at this point, I'm like, I'm like, you know, street drugs aren't the answer. I'm looking yeah. at everything led up, led up to that point. I'm like, uh, like, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not capable of really understanding my illness, but I am capable of understanding at this point that, uh, the, like, uh, you don't have all the, you don't have all the answers. Yeah, I, I don't. You don't know. see what the problem is, but you know you don't have all the answers. That that's really yeah, it, interesting. It's, so it's an evolution. It it was like being stuck in a purgatory, my my own personal purgatory, purgatory, where my mind is like, "There's not really anything wrong with you, but I can also kind of see something is wrong." And depending on what, what you know, at any given hour of the day, you might have been able to find me being semi reasonable. Like, you know what? Uh, you know, eventually, I, I have hope that you know, psychiatry and the pills are going to be the answer. But uh, at any other point throughout the given day, that conversation would have sounded starkly different from that. So now, or super delusional, and they put you in a hospital. Uh, yes, but before I get to that point. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm arrested and, uh, here's, here's how that unfolds. So I, uh, as part of my delusions and hallucinations, thinking that I'm working with the FBI and the CIA, I'm awake for, uh, two days, literally not a guest at this holiday inn. Uh, but I use their business center at the time thinking that like, I would be able to stare at Twitter and find codes about <laughs> threats to world leaders. Perfect. And I'm going to tell you, so I'm serious. I'm awake for, I'm awake for two days, at the, about two Ugh. days at this point. Ugh. And I drive myself just like the sun is barely rising at this point. And I drive all the way to the FBI headquarters, <laughs> that, the San Antonio FBI headquarters here in San Antonio. I wonder how many people show up like that at FBI. Probably a lot. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I would, I would hope not, but I, you they know, do because people aren't allowed to get treatment. Disease. They're not allowed to help people as they, until they go so far in that they're a danger to self or other, but go ahead. That's right. That's right. And so I drove up to, and, and I, I don't imagine that you've ever been to the FBI. In San Antonio, no. So I'll just describe the relevant parts of it. So I was, I was about to drive up to, they have a secure parking lot behind a secure building and it looks kind of like a fortress. Not a lot of folks can get in it unless you clear security, that type of thing. 
So I drive up to where the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the gate and the security guard is to let people in the, to the secure lot. And I'm like demanding to talk to FBI agents. Cause at this point I had actually already been let in once. And I just ranted to some FBI agents about how I found threats against world leaders. And of course, none of that was real. None of it was credible. And I was entirely out of my mind. Wow. But so, um, I d- so I drove back to let them know I found more. They didn't let me in. So, uh, you know, I remember kind of like not trying to necessarily crash the gate uh, to get past the security guard of the FBI. But what I did do was kind of press on the gas a little bit and my car started to go forward. And uh, there there was actually a, you know, a, a partition that obviously does not let cars in that aren't supposed to be there. And I remember that, that you know, that hit down on the hood of my car. And uh, as I think back and every time I tell that story, I'm like, I could have easily been shot right then. Yeah. Justifiably so. Like sure. I was charging into a secure lock. That, listen, that is how me. mental people with mental illness get killed by cops. Yeah. Yeah. They, so they, I, either, I mean, they either intend to get killed, suicide by cop, or they are so psychotic and the cops aren't trained to do anything else. Yeah. They, definitely. They fear for their lives. Yeah. So, uh, yes, exactly. So, uh, uh, so just to give you that, that story is to give you an idea of right where my head was at. So my parents knowing full well that like, I, I'm just, I'm the worst, most symptomatic I had ever been. I'm so far from reality. They actually called one of my former psychiatrists, my, my most recent psychiatrist at that time, who, um, also, by the way, uh, there's not a better word for it. He fired me as a patient because, uh, I was angry and irritable and, uh, not, not respecting his authority and all of the things that I need to be treated for. So nothing personal against him. He just, <laughs> didn't want to deal with yeah. what I was bringing to the table. Yeah. And so my parents call him and, you know, I, you know, he's got tons of empathy about the situation. He's familiar with where my head is at kind of. And he tells my parents, look, with the way things are right now, Eric's best bet of getting the psych treatment that he needs is if he gets arrested for something. And then hopefully if the stars align, the, uh, you know, the, the, a judge may be able to transfer him to an inpatient care from the jail before right. he's released. Right. And then he can possibly get some assisted outpatient care. Now that's what happened. I showed up at my parents' house. They told me they were going to call the police if I didn't leave for to say I was trespassing. And I remember thinking, look, I, I'm up there on behalf of the CIA. And the FBI <laughs> and the government. I'm like, there's no problem. If the police show up and I tell them like whatever, like they'll follow my orders. That's yeah. literally what I was thinking at that time. Right. So I'm like, go for it. So I go and I sit down on their front porch. The police show up and surprise, surprise, they arrest me. And uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taken into jail. I'm there for 30 days, uh, yeah, almost a full month. And uh, I'm not given care for any of my SMI or symptoms while I'm there, despite the fact that I did request to talk to a doctor while I was there. I did talk to the doctor. I did tell the doctor that I had a diagnosis, even though I wasn't necessarily sure I believed it, but like, here's my diagnosis. He asked what meds I was on. I told him, here's what I'm prescribed. Here's what I was prescribed recently. He said, well, the meds you just mentioned aren't what we have here in the jail. So you're not going to be able to get the meds that I guess are, you know, that, that were thought to be working for you, something to that effect, because, you know, a jail, they're, they're not pharmacies. They're really not designed to be caretakers right. of folks with SMI. It's, I mean, it, again, nothing against jails, but right. you know, if, if you could if, set them up it, that way, but we haven't. Right, right. We could, I, we haven't. And I, I hope it doesn't go there. Does it make sense to have people in jail who can help treat SMI? No, it doesn't. It but sense. if, but if we're going to keep putting them in jail, it doesn't make sense not to treat them when they're there. Yes, exactly. The, 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 the it, it, it always, in my mind, it always makes sense to have professionals present at, in areas where where it's likely folks with SMI might end up in jail is one of them. But 
I also on the same in that same breath of that same sentence want to say like jails should not be right. where we're treating people with mental illness. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm there. I'm in the jail. I'm uh, I'm I'm in a uh, the main part of where I was staying at first was, you know, a room where like more than two dozen male inmates were staying. It was like bunk bed situation. And uh, I think this is a room where uh, people who have some form of SMI uh, can be. And, and, and so like all of, all of the people in there, like for the most part, when it was med time would be taking meds. That's why I say that. Right. So I'm in there and then I start talking about uh, like yelling about how uh, there's the, the, that the pharmaceutical industry and that the doctor at the jail are corrupt and that they're, they're experimenting on everybody in the jail by putting meds in their food and in oh their boy. water. Oh and, yeah. And so like, as you can imagine, in like almost no time at all, I get transferred to like a cell where like, I, I'm not around really other people because there were people literally not wanting to eat their food or drink water, but listening to the stuff that I was saying. Yeah. Oh it was just God. getting a mess. And so literally right as I'm about to be released from the jail, I, I'm not even kidding you. Like, it sounds like I'm describing this for theatrics sake and it, it's not the case. This is the truth. Right. As I'm about to be released, this is how my mom and dad tell me this story. They're calling, they're on the phone with the jail saying, please don't, please don't. What, yeah. like what, 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 what is he going to do? Like what's, yeah. what's going to happen? Like, what do you expect to happen? He's very ill. You're seeing he's very ill. Uh, w- what are you doing? And so what they told my mom on the phone is when Eric gets out, he can panhandle, sleep under a bridge, and use that money from panhandling to buy his meds. And Sheesh. there is so much wrong with that, not the least of which is panhandling is not legal where I live. Uh, so that's the advice uh, my parents are giving. And also, I... So where does homelessness come from? I wonder yeah, where that it, comes from. Exactly. And like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not going to be back in in jail within a matter of however long, or worse, or worse, you know, dead, yeah. given where my head was at. So anyways... The stars did align right as I was about to be released. Court liaison is sent by a judge overseeing the inpatient and outpatient care for the San Antonio State Hospital where I, uh, near where I live. Court liaison comes, talks to me for a bit, uh, says there's uh, her words. like It's still like it just burned into my brain because like it's the first real caring I had heard in a long time at that point uh, or, or understanding of my situation. And she says... There's a lot of energy at the hospital uh, about, you know, we're hoping that we can, you know, have a bed for you. It looks like there will be a bed for you. Uh, would you be open to uh, getting treatment? We could get you out of this jail. We could get you some care. Uh, you know, just put you in a much better environment to treat you than here. Like that kind of a conversation. And of course, I was like, yeah, like I, w- I want to go there. I don't want to be in jail anymore. This place is terrible. Right. So a judge, uh, Judge Oscar Kazin, uh, he is the one who oversaw my inpatient and outpatient uh, civil court orders. He transfers me to the San Antonio State Hospital. I am there for about three months, stabilized on some meds. Uh, uh, the med, then I enter into assisted outpatient treatment, which uh, leading up to what AOT is, this is what I mainly advocate for and about. It is a way for uh, to motivate individuals who have either have a history of not adhering to treatment or, you know, don't have an understanding of their illness, not, not denial. We've already been through that. Like they're just literally incapable of understanding their illness as I was. Right. Uh, You know, it, 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 it's a step down from the inpatient care once I'm stabilized and deemed, uh, you know, uh, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, Safe, safe to be, uh, to be not, you know, stuck as an inpatient. And so that, that, that AOT order, 
uh, th th involved me going uh, to see a judge. Keep in mind, this is civil. I want to underscore this because prior to this, if someone told me court or the word judge, one thing comes to mind. And I, I didn't understand the difference between criminal court and civil court. They yeah. aren't the same. And yeah. I'm sure you know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a civil court. And it's explained to me from the outset, like not to make me a legal expert, but to help me help me understand. Eric, you're here. You're not here because we think you're a criminal. Uh, you're here because, you, you know, you got a diagnosis. You may you're, you're maybe in the process. Of Many states don't even means. have this kind of thing. Really? Yeah, it, no, they don't have it, anything evolved anyway. You're lucky you had that. Yeah. I, I, jackpot. Like total, total lottery win that I was here when that happened. Because yeah. Even though there aren't, th there, there's, there's, I believe at this time, it, last time I looked, there's three, only three states that don't have some version of AOT laws. But the difference between having a law and utilizing it and creating a strength, uh, like a very strong program based on those laws, uh, they aren't the same thing. So yes, I'm guessing the AOT difference laws. is between, uh, say, Indiana and California. Because I, I'm going to purposefully try to not pick on states, but I will say that it's complicated in California because the way that it's set up, it's also known as Laura's Law. There, yeah. Uh, it's uh, California lets the each county decide uh, sort of how they want to do it, and most and of them are doing it, nothing. They're doing nothing. Yeah, that's yeah, just the fact. I, again, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you say that. I, I, I'm going to try not. Why to not? Why can't we call yeah, out the yeah. states that are doing a or killing people? Four well, a day are dying on our streets because of their unwillingness to understand what's happening. But anyway, so I, I, those are no, those are facts, Doctor Drew. Those I know, facts. I know. So, so like when when I go, so I, this is actually a, a relevant sort of just sidestep. This is a relevant. So this just this month alone, I actually was asked to go speak well via Zoom because of the pandemic for uh, Stanford University law students by professors Allison Morans and Joe Bankman. They co-teach a mental health law class there. And uh, they, she, the, both of those professors, they set aside a time for this is towards the beginning of a semester, you know, giving students a solid understanding, not just through textbooks or whatever they can find yep. uh, to read or the, the minutia of it all, you know. Yep. So uh, I, I got to speak for them, basically uh, telling my story and related to AOT, the importance of that, followed by a fantastic uh, Nevada, uh, Nevada County Superior Court Judge Thomas Anderson of California. Uh, who then explains sort of the legal side of things. And, and I bring that up not to be like, hooray, I, you know, I spoke at Stanford, but more so to talk about this is the kind of thing that I think should be going on elsewhere. Every law school, where every law school, every, and every, every legislature should hear this. That's the part and, and that it, I don't get why the legislature is not interested in it, but that's, we don't have time to get into it. I have five more minutes, Eric, g give me your spiel on AOT and what you think should be done with it. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, AOT, it saved my life. It took me from this path of delusion and danger and hallucinations and uh, problematic behavior that is not behavior. Help, help so people understand it's not just convincing you of what's going on, not appealing to your cognitions. What, what right. is AOT? Okay, here, yeah. So from my end where I sit, it actually uh, it borrows elements from cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing yeah. by uh, it, it, it quite literally through my AOT treatment team, which was a judge, psychiatrist, nurse, social worker, uh, it, 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 it changed my understanding of my illness from I, the rest of the world is crazy to, uh, you know, Hey, I have got a diagnosis and it, you know, it's, it's treatable if I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I know judges exist in the world. Psychiatrists exist in the world, social workers. But what's great about AOT and the treatment team that I experienced that turned my life around is that it's greater than the sum of its parts. We've got a complex multifaceted issue of SMI, my diagnosis, people like me being met with a multi-pronged and multidisciplinary approach 
of all of the different types of individual individuals and professionals that should be involved yeah. in, in, in helping individuals who are sick, who don't have the capacity to understand or manage their own care, which I was. So I did all, it, it, it did all of that. And, and I, I want to be clear, like, it's not a panacea, right? Like it's not right. a solver of all problems, right. but it, it, what it does do is, uh, it, it helps resolve a lot of very complex issues that, that in the absence of something like AOT, uh, it's just, it's not resolvable to that degree. I hear numbers. People not at all. In the numbers. It's yeah. ossified so, without it. And, and it gets around the question of putting people somewhere. We can't, we don't put them somewhere. Yeah. You don't put them somewhere. Motivate them yeah. into AOT. Get them there. Yes. And so I also want to address just one issue about uh, like uh, the, the civil rights and disability rights groups and folks and advocates who advocate against AOT and say this is coercive. It's a violation of rights. People should be able, if they don't want treatment, they should be able to refuse it. And I, I actually I really actually appreciate these folks because without groups like them, people like me would you know continue to be neglected, abused, things like that. But they don't fully understand the needs of someone like me. There's, they're, they're, they're operating. They don't even have the that. nominal beginnings of a minimal understanding of your needs. That's Not, a, the groups it, you it, may it, need it, to be talking to. Yes, and and, and I, I, I am always open to conversation with them. So just 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 to know that, uh, you know, for example, if someone if someone were to uh, be in an ER and let's say they fell unconscious in the ER, uh, stop breathing. You know, uh, one of the likely next results for that would be for uh, medical experts to rush in, intubate, restore ability to breathe. They would not wait for a person who stopped breathing to wake back up in an ER and be like, hey, do you want to be intubated? Absolutely not. That's not the way the world, that's not the way that works. And I think it's similarly applicable to SMI. 100%. Where people who, where where people like me who cannot uh, make a judgment call for them, for themselves. uh, Are allowed to die. They're allowed to die as opposed to getting resuscitated. That's exactly the point. Yeah, we have to. We have to. Where, where do you want people to go to learn more and to help advocate if they're interested? Or either? I would love for people to go to treatmentadvocacycenter.org. Uh, the the links to or the ability to follow on Twitter that's available at the top of the page. I'd also like people to look into Dr. Ken Rosenberg's book Bedlam and film by the same name Bedlam. It was uh, fan, just fantastic film. It was an official selection at Sundance recently, uh, 2019. And, and if you if you go watch the videos at Healing Minds Nola, you'll have a pretty thorough understanding of the landscape. That was literally the next thing that I was about to say. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to do my part just like by telling by like helping people understand the truth. I don't say I'm persuading people. People are like, are you trying to persuade people with your, with what your stories? I'm like, no, because you can persuade someone into believing something that isn't true. So I'm not persuading people. What I'm trying, what I'm doing is telling people the truth and helping them understand that is what it is. And I feel like I, you know, I could talk about AOT all day and just my, my history of everything all day, but I, I, I know, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's just not realistic. You, you want people to understand what it's like to be a vampire and to be a healthy person, and how you go from one to the other, and what it's like in both states. That's all. Yeah. Very that, simple. That's 100%. One. And anyone listening right now who is curious or wants to have conversation or dialogue about concerns, any concerns or issues, they, or questions they have about AOT or my story or, or why I support it and, and why I don't feel like it's a violation of my rights, why I feel like it's something that saved my life, please reach out to Treatment Advocacy Center. I, I, I am a consultant to them now. And if, if you're, you know, against AOT or, you know, you're just sort of in the gray area about how to fill one way or another, regardless, anything, I am always open to 
uh, productive discussion and dialogue about this. So if, All you, right, buddy. if you would reach out to them. I will I, no I'm, doubt I'm, have I'm you ready. back again as things evolve. We'll have other things to talk about in the future as we hopefully gain some traction and some progress in addressing this issue. It is a massive problem, especially now things are so out of control in the days of coronavirus and lockdowns and whatnot. But Eric, uh, where should people follow you? I am kind of a ghost on social media. And those are, look, I, I will For your own good. Why. No, yeah. I will tell you. I will tell you why. I know you're running short on time. The when I was when I was thinking about, I was finding codes on Twitter yeah. and preventing stuff like that. So I actually like at the time, literally, President Obama's account was following me. There were actual <laughs> like so. Yeah, but I mean, like it was back in the heyday where like not not millions and millions of people around the world had it. So yeah. it, it was like right in its early in early days. So uh, like I just got to a point where I was like, uh, th- th- this is something that triggered. It was way too much information for me. I feel like I might be able to handle it now, but just because like I, of how I feel in my mind and how I associate these times in my life with this over uh, this over this abundance of information yeah, that, excessive like, yeah I just like no I just just got rid of it all, all right man good job all right buddy we'll talk soon Eric Smith thanks for joining me thanks so much Dr. Drew. all right we'll see you next time for calling times and topics follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew podcast that's D-R-D-R-E-W podcast the music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew podcast now available on iTunes and while you're there don't forget to rate the show the Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or Dr. Drew.com.